Incredible. The band sounded amazing, but you all sounded really good. Yes. Give yourselves a hand. Awesome. Good morning, everybody. My name is Kara. I'm one of the lay pastors at Lower Manhattan Community Church. And so I get this special privilege this morning of giving you the official welcome. So those of you who are here with us at 2 DeBrosa Street, this is a huge joy for me to see your faces. And those of you who are joining us online, we're equally as thrilled to be worshiping with you this morning. We would love to know who you are, especially if we can't see your face this morning. There should be a QR code on the screen right now if you're watching. And there are also on the back of the seats in front of you if you're here in person. Just scan that and answer a couple questions. Just let us know who you are, how you found us, and what we can be doing for you. And then you're going to be hearing from a person called Marcy who from that point forward will never let you forget that she knows who you are. Marcy is amazing and she's our care minister and wants to know your story and how you found us and what journey you're on right now and how LMCC can be a part of that. So scan that code, let us get to know you this morning so we can give you a personal and individual hello. There are several announcements that I want to bring your attention to this morning. First, I want to tell you about an outing that happened yesterday. Jasmine, who is on our staff here, led a team of about 15 people to work with one of LMC's partners, New York City Love Kitchen, to serve about 200 people, 200 of our neighbors in Washington Heights. Um, received meals from New York City Love Kitchen today from the loving hands of people from LMCC. So we just wanted to give a shout out to the people that went to that, um, to the New York City Love Kitchen for all they're doing to care for the people in our city. And if you want to be a part of things like that in the future, let Jasmine know. Just send her an email. She's jasmine at lowermanhattanchurch.com. Also, the band, that gorgeous song that you just heard, is a single that you can listen to on whatever streaming service that you listen to. And this Friday, the Friday, the day just following Thanksgiving, we are dropping our first EP. So the three singles that are already released, plus two songs you have never heard yet, are going to come out on Friday um, in an EP. So wherever you listen to music, go there on Friday and you can worship in your own home, in your car, on the subway, wherever you typically worship. If you're a little too shy to sing while you're in the room with us here, I promise you, you will not feel shy when you're listening to their music um, alone in your private space. So please do listen to that music on Friday. We have in two weeks, December the 5th, a child dedication coming up. So normally I would say we have a baby dedication coming up, but all the babies that were born during the pandemic are now toddlers because we missed two years of baby dedications. So we have one coming up on December 5th. This is just a time for parents to give thanks for this new life in their family and to dedicate 
that child and themselves to raise that child in the love of Christ. And it's an opportunity for LMCC as a church family to pledge our support in the raising of that child. So it's a beautiful time together as a church. If you have one of those pandemic babies slash toddlers slash kindergartners, whatever they are at this point, do let us know. You can email Phil, Phil at Lower Manhattan Church, and we he'll tell you how to be a part of that ceremony. Also, December 5th, December 5th, it's December almost, and so Advent is upon us. So celebrate Christmas with LMCC. Come every Sunday during December, we'll have an Advent series, and on September, sorry, December 24th, sorry, pandemic time, December 24th, we will have our annual Christmas Eve service here together. Also, an incredibly special time. So 4 p.m. right here in this exact space or online, wherever you worship with us, don't miss that. And then once a year, we invite everyone who calls LMCC their church home to join us in seeking God's will over our finances. And so we ask everyone to consider making a pledge for the following year. What will be your offerings, your giving back to God in the year 2022? So we're in the middle of that process. Now it will run through the end of this year. So be in prayer with us. Join us as we, as a church, make those same decisions. What will be give, we be giving away in 2022? And we ask you to be asking God the same thing. And to that end, we will be continuing our sermon series on giving. So Logan will bring his final sermon in our giving series this morning. And before he does that, join me in reading the scripture that his sermon will be based on. There are two passages this morning. The first one is from the book of First Timothy. This is chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. The second passage comes from the book of Matthew. This is chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. 
but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's an intimidating noise to follow. Um, well, good morning, my name is Logan. If you are new to LMCC, I would love to meet you before you leave today uh, to get to know you and invite you to be a part of what God is doing in this community. For three weeks, we've been talking about giving. And in our community group, I've noticed a trend. Um, around talking about money, it is way easier to talk about it philosophically than it is personally. Um, to be able to talk about the concept of giving and money as opposed to talk about what it means for you. But today, um, I want it to be less philosophical. I don't believe that God wants to just address our philosophy around money or giving. I think God wants it to be very personal to you. And in order for that to be the case, what I want to do now is just invite you to just take 10 seconds and pray to God. To simply say, God, open up my heart and my mind to what you would have to say. And then I'll close and ask for God to do that with us collectively. So let's take 10 minutes just to, or 10 seconds to speak with God. Father, we present our minds to you, our hearts to you, and our lives to you today. May you speak to us. May you be clear to us what you have for each of us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The famous German theologian and church reformer Martin Luther once said that one has to go through three conversions in following Jesus. The first is a conversion of the heart, the second is a conversion of the mind, and the third is a conversion of the purse. And he said, unfortunately, they never happen at the same time. Now I can understand why he says unfortunately, because it'd be nice if God just made everything clear and easy right away. But in some ways I think it's very fortunate and gracious of God to be patient with our conversions in this process. That our hearts need to be changed over time. And God is gracious to recognize that our hearts are not fully in line with His, but He's glad to walk with us until that changes. Or even our thoughts, that our thoughts do not often line up with God's thoughts. But He is gracious to walk with us, and especially when it comes to our money. He recognizes that at the source of money, giving it up is a struggle. And this conversion to say, money is not mine, but God's, and I will freely give it back to him as he asks, is hard. It is incredibly difficult. Um, we see throughout the life of Jesus Christ that as he talks about money, he is confronting some of the most challenging issues that people face. And so I want to show you a famous passage um, that's titled, The Rich Young Ruler in most of your Bibles. And I want to show you both the struggle, but how Jesus responds to the struggle. In this passage, hold on with, on the slide just a second. In this passage, 
this individual comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to have life abundantly, to have eternal life, to be saved? Jesus' response is initially, well, follow all the commandments. And he's like, check, 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 and check. Got all of that. What more shall I do? And it says, Jesus, seeing that he had much money, said, be generous. Sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the passage reads, it's a rich young ruler, walked away sad. And you see this moment where Jesus zeroes in from the crowds on this one individual. And here's how Jesus responds in Luke chapter 18. So here's the slide. It says, Jesus saw that he, the rich young ruler, had become sad. And he said, how hard it is for those with possessions to enter God's kingdom. Yes, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter God's kingdom. Now that last passage is very famous in the sense that it's harder for a rich person to get in the kingdom uh, than for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. And there's been a lot of different types of interpretations, but this hyperbole of Jesus, because that's what it is, it's this New Yorker dramatic statement to force you to be confronted with what you love, causes us to see that what's going on underneath the surface with each of us is that when we have possessions, the thought that we'd have to depart with them, things that we value, things that we treasure, in order to get fully Jesus and follow him, is difficult. When Jesus makes that statement, his disciples are floored by it. They're like, wait a second. If a rich man can't enter, who can? Because they, like us, tend to equate richness with righteousness. That there is a sense that if you are blessed of material things, well, God surely sees you as worthy of blessing. Here's the conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. Those who heard it said, then who in the world can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible for people is possible with God. And Peter said, okay, well, we've, we've done this. We've left our homes to follow you. What about us? And Jesus says, yes. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or spouse or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. So the rich young ruler walks away sad and the disciples go, wait a second. You said if, if he gave away and followed you that he could have it all. We've done that. What about us? And Jesus says, yes. You've given, and it will be returned to you. So he talks about this contrasting issues of the heart. And ultimately, we want that to be the struggle that each of you face. That you are confronted with those of you with great possessions, which is largely all of us in this room. Will you give those up if Jesus asks of you to follow him? And those of you who are his disciples in this church who have said, we have given it up. What about us? I want you to be affirmed that Jesus says, I see your gift. I see how you have trusted me, and I will bless that. And reading that passage this week, I was reminded as I think about LMCC and the story of generosity that has been a miracle year after year, that I do believe God looks out at this congregation. And God says, I'm so pleased. 
I'm so delighted that year after year after year, you've come back to this issue and said, what more can we give? What more can we give of our heart and of our money so that we have more of God? And we're right at that cusp again of saying again to God, will we do it again? And ultimately, that's what we want as a church. And I want you to hear that's what I want for you, is that I want you to learn what it is to fully trust God. Like Martin Luther said, with your heart and your mind and with your purse. (laughs) Because I, I like his language there because it connects to the greatest commandment. Where Jesus says the greatest thing you can do is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you see this idea where purse is connected with purpose. That your soul and strength is connected with what you can give to God. That one of the ways that you can love God is to give Him of your resources because it represents your life. Because all of us give our time and our energy and our talents towards producing And in our capitalist society, the way that that is honored is by giving to us money in return for that. And as we spend our lives for that, we are given money. And so a way to give back to God is is an act of love to Him. To say, everything I've given to, to this world this week and everything I've returned in regards to that, I give it back to you. And in do so, I am loving you. But in doing so, it also forces you to trust God. And more than anything, I want you to have a full assurance that God is trustworthy. That if you trust Him with your possessions, that He will provide for you richly everything you need and more so you can enjoy it. That He loves you so much that He wants to give you good things. And for you to buy into His kingdom by giving is to invite His favor and His blessings to be around you, in you, and to become through you to the world. I want God's heart to continually be pleased with you and with us as a church. And that's why we address this year after year after year. And so today on the final message, the final message of this giving series is titled, What's Your Number? What's your number? You just heard that we're going to ask you to pledge a specific number. And what I'm trying to do today is to encourage you to consider how do you define that number? in order that you might experience all the goodness of God that he asked for you. How is he going to ask you to give this year? And then we're going to send you away to pray and listen to him. And then all of us are going to come back at the end of January and we're going to say, this is what God has asked us to give. And then we're going to surrender that to him and see what he does. Now that title came to me, What's Your Number? Because of some of the phrases that are used in this passage. Specifically phrases around laying up treasures as a foundation for the future. This idea of your giving in hopes for what you might experience down the line. And that idea came up to me in regards to retirement. I've been using these financial terms, investment, wealth management, and now retirement, as a way to help you see that our financial system can be a way where you can see God work. That everything you interact with in this world is a way to interact with the divine. And on this idea of retirement, the idea of what's your number, reminds me of this commercial that I used to hate back in the day. ING, who's a financial services company, had this commercial where they had some people walking around with numbers, going through TSA and sending their number through TSA. And it made this statement, everyone has a number. 
that they have in their mind, or maybe they should, for what they will need in retirement, where they can leave behind the burdens of work and enjoy everything life has to offer. Because that's our understanding of retirement, that we put money away now, that one day we can escape these awful bosses and these awful deadlines so that we can enjoy all that life has to offer, our hobbies, our friends, and our family, and hopefully, you know, kids, grandkids, vacations around the world, whatever you dream of retirement to be. We give with a future goal. Now, over the last decade, instead of what has been traditionally Americans' understanding of, oh, after 65, I'm going to live the good life, and how can I save towards then, there's been a new movement called the FIRE movement. Not just my favorite emoji, but the FIRE movement, an acronym that means financially independent, retire early. This idea that as you start your life, what would it look like for you to get to a certain number as fast as humanly possible, and so your goal is to save as much. And they say the goal around this is to be free. To be free as fast as humanly possible. And so if you save and are frugal with your expenses, that you get to invest, that you might retire in your 40s, and then live off of passive income from investments for the rest of your life, and live as freely as you want. Like, it sounds pretty good. And reflecting on this fire movement, what's fascinating to me is that it has the same goals as God, but different strategies. It's the same goal. God wants you to be free from the burdens that you place on yourself when it comes to work and earnings and reaching a certain status and the burdens of trying to experience all of life. Same goal, but a very different strategy. In the fire movement, it is very much save, 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 save. In God's movement, he says, give, 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 give. And in doing so, I will return to you that freedom that you're longing for one day, today. That that's the promise of God. That when you put your faith in him and you trust him with your heart and your mind and your purse, that you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. Why wait? And so as we dig into what's your number, I want you to see that God's goal in giving you a number is freedom. That you might not think about one day freedom, but that you might go, I want all the promises of God's life with joy and peace and freedom now. So that I might have the same boss, but I don't feel the same anxiety when he emails or texts. That I might have the same deadlines, but I don't feel crushed by the burdens of achieving them as if it defines my worth and value. That I may experience the same desires for status, but they don't define me ultimately. See, these are the things that money offers you. And God says, I offer them freely, but you're going to have to release some money to get it. Now, to help you kind of answer that one question, what's your number? I have a couple other questions that I want to unpack for you around these passages. Because these passages bring up three questions. What are heavenly treasures? Because we see that repeatedly. Lay up treasures for yourself for a foundation for the future. And then Jesus' words are, they are heavenly treasures, not earthly treasures. So what are heavenly treasures? The second question is, what will it take? 
What will it take for you to experience godliness with contentment as great gain instead of godliness with money as great gain? And the last question is, what's your number in order to be generous as God defines being generous? So the first question, what are heavenly treasures? I ask this question because um, it has been hard for me over my life to define heaven and heavenly treasures. Because I've been given kind of a theology that focuses on the afterlife as heaven rather than a today life ultimately fulfilled in the afterlife. But the scriptures, and I saw it perfectly when Jesus speaks to his disciples after the rich young ruler, he says, you will receive in this life the blessings that I promise, and then in the afterlife the full inheritance of that promise. It's the idea that you are a child of wealthy parents, so you receive the blessings of that wealth as they are parenting you, but you receive an inheritance one day as they pass on their generational blessing to you. That it's both and. That we're not just like, oh man, after death I get that mansion in the sky, streets paved with gold. Woo! I'll wait for that. That's coming. But God doesn't want you to wait for all of his blessings and all of his promises. Now my journey of understanding heavenly treasures, I think started a little over a decade ago when we moved to New York City. My, my oldest son got into a PS33 up in Chelsea. PS33 up in Chelsea is in the heart of a very gentrifying and changing neighborhood, but for the longest time was a Title I school, meaning that the majority of the students received uh, free lunches as a result of attending that school. As the neighborhood changed, as more people moved in, they began to lose Title I funding. And my son's kindergarten year is when it happened. And they, they were notified of it overnight. You've lost Title I funding, therefore tomorrow you will be at a deficit of $250,000 to be able to serve the needs of your students. So the same demands, serve the needs of your students, less resources to accomplish it. And they were shell-shocked. The principal and the, the president of the PA came the next morning to a group of parents that were gathered, and they said, we've lost $250,000. We have no idea what we're going to do. Does anyone have ideas, and can anyone help? And my compassionate wife raised her hand, and she said, my husband can help. <laughs> and that was the last PA meeting I missed. <laughs> but I walked in the next day, and I said, hey, how can I help? They said, do you have money? I said, I'm a pastor. Like, oh. <laughs> so, but hey, I, I can help craft communication in such a way that we can do a fundraiser and try to raise the money. And a school that historically had never raised more than $12,000, a month later, we stood in front of the families and we cast a vision and we had $80,000 in commitment. And over the course of that year, we raised over $250,000 to meet the deficit. And then over time, we were able to take that generosity and grow it and then invest not just in the needs of the school, but a new playground in partnership with the community district to take a, an asphalt playground that had never been touched and it had been built and now infuse it with AstroTurf and a new basketball hoop and new gymnase, gym, gym equipment for them to climb on. And as I reflected on that journey of learning what it is to ask people for money, 
because this is always uncomfortable for me. You're like, it's uncomfortable for me too, but it's really uncomfortable for me to be able to say, give and give radically to this church that I lead. <laughs> but as I've grown and becoming more comfortable of saying, you know, money meets the needs of the world. Money meets the needs of those who are poorest in our city. Money has power when it's leveraged for good, goods that are greater than your own. What I realized is that that playground will one day fade. It will one day be replaced. Knowing New York City, that entire block could be torn down and a new iron structure that looks ugly could be built in its place. It will fade. But when it comes to investing in God and His heart and His kingdom, it will last forever. It will never fade away. And so why was it easier for me at times to stand in front of parents for a parent association and say, give to this cause that will change and fade in years to come? Then they still can look at you and say, give to a kingdom that will never fade away. That will always grow. That will exist into eternity. In fact, you can enjoy it now and then you can see the fruit in eternity. Where God will begin to show you that dollar did this amount of good. You will never see it when you release it. But one day God will show you exactly where it ended up. Wow. God loves to reward us in that sense. I want to show you how Dallas Willard put it because it might help infuse a little bit more understanding in heavenly treasures. Ultimately, what it is, is this call to do this. And it's a long quote, so stick with me. It'll be on the screen. Invest your life in what God is doing, which cannot be lost. Of course, this means we invest in our relationship with Jesus himself and through him to God. But beyond that, and in close union with him, we will devote ourselves to the good of other people, those around us within the range of our power to affect. And we also care for this astonishing, rich and beautiful realm, the earth itself, of which both we and our neighbors are parts. Thus, to lay up treasures in heaven is to treasure all of the intimate and touching aspects of heaven's life, all of which God is doing now on earth. The person who treasures what lies with the kingdom of heaven sees everything in its true worth and relationship. The person who treasures what is on earth, by contrast, sees everything from a perspective that distorts and systematically misleads in practice. The relative importance of things is, in particular, misperceived as a result. The person who is addicted to drugs or to some activity is but an extreme and easy case. All else is seen only in its relation to the object of the addiction. See, he highlights, when we focus on earthly treasures, we only think about how our money can gain more of the possessions that we want. He uses addiction as an example. That those who are struggling with addiction will find ways to get money to get their addiction met, even if they lack. They are driven by it. And in contrast, he's saying, when you invest in heaven, your eyes are open to see what is truly worthy of value in this life that will be in the value of life to come. And it allows me to look back at that playground and realize the playground will fade. But a number of kids that had not had value placed upon them now seeing that they have dignity and value where people can come behind and support them, that will live into eternity. Where they are being told they have dignity, where the longest time they had told they had not. See, when we invest in the kingdom of God, we begin to see the world through a different lens 
to see what is truly valuable and what will last forever. Heavenly treasures. That's what you are being invited to invest in and to trust in ultimately. The kingdom of God here and now that you'll experience forever and eternity. The second question is, what will it take? What will it take? And, and be asking that question is saying, there is a number that is directly correlated to your contentment. There is a number that is correlated to you being able to give in such a way that you tap in to God and what He wants to do in your life. What I mean by that is in the, in the First Timothy passage, he says there is godly, godliness with contentment is great gain. He's contrasting that with a few verses before where he said people think of godliness as a means to get great gain. And what he's talking about is sometimes we live in such a way that we think, oh, God's going to bless me as a result, and I'm going to have all the money and all the dreams and all the ambitions I've ever wanted. And he's saying, I want you to see that, that money does not equal righteousness. Possessions do not mean that you've been blessed. He's saying godliness with contentment is great gain. And the question is, what will it take for you to get to contentment? Because we think sometimes money will get us to contentment. That that next raise or bonus will put us over the edge. That next apartment, that next career path, that will get us to a place of contentment. A satisfaction of soul. But plenty of studies, the Happiness Project is the easiest one to look at, have shown us that there is a threshold that once you go beyond that number, it adds no value in your satisfaction in this life. But as God calls you to give, He's saying there's a number that will allow you to tap into the kingdom of God and all of its contentment and satisfaction. And as I wrestle with this, I was, I was thinking of a few questions around God and how He gives or doesn't give in our lives. And one of the questions was, what if God in His kindness toward you held back material blessings until you were truly content in Him? What if in your longing for certain things, God in His kindness says no? Because He knows that that will never satisfy and then there'll be a new fall collection next year and you'll just want that, right? When he's saying, I'm going to hold back on you until you're content. And then I can't wait to overflow my blessings to you. Or what if God in his kindness chose to overwhelm you with possessions and blessing to test your contentment? To see that as you're given more, will you try to trust in greater possessions and material goods and a greater income and a greater retirement? Or will he test you to say, my contentment still rests in the Lord. What will it take for you to stay in this place of contentment and godliness as the source of greatest wealth, as the place of greatest satisfaction? In the scriptures, we're actually giving two very clear examples in one event. Right before Jesus is crucified, Mary of Bethany told in all four Gospels comes and brings what's known as the alabaster jar. It is this fragrance that is valued at a year's wages. So imagine a year's wages, whatever that is for you. You spend it on this prized possession. And if you ever had a home that had prized possessions, right? 
<laughs> you're like, my wife was Italian, and her Italian family had a room that was off limits and a couch that was off limits covered up in plastic, right? <laughs> there are these treasured possessions, right? Where it's like, oh, don't touch that. But in this story, she comes and smashes it and wipes the feet of Jesus with it. For she sees Jesus as way more valuable than a year's salary and way more valuable in that what that actually means for her and her family's future. Because you never know what it could have meant. You never know if they bought it thinking that we will always be secure because of that gift. And what it took for her to express her love for God and her trust that in Jesus I will have all I need and never worry again was to smash it and pour it at his feet. That's what it took for her. Same scene, Judas, looking on at it, says, wasteful. Don't you know what that could do for the poor? And John, one of the disciples, reflecting on his relationship with Judas and being very petty, was like, Judas didn't ask that because he was concerned for the poor. He asked that because he stole from us all the time and he just wanted more money. Called him out for eternity. But for Judas, it would take 30 pieces of silver to sell Jesus to his crucifixion. What will it take for you to connect into the contentment of the kingdom? For Mary of Bethany, it was a huge gift that said, I just trust in you. For Judas, it was easy for him to sell Jesus for his own personal gain, 30 pieces of silver. See, because sometimes what it will take for you to choose Jesus or money might mean that you've chosen money. But in the grace of God, he offers forgiveness. He offers a chance to turn around and release that back to him so that you can trust in his kingdom. What will it take for you to trust and contentment in the kingdom? And the last and the most pressing question for some of you is, what's your number to be generous? First Timothy 6 says, I charge the rich in this present age to be generous. Well, what number means generosity? Are you ready to write it down? I don't know what it means for you, but I know how you can get there. Because I've watched the people in this community get there time and time and time again. And as I say that, I know that there are a few different groups in this community right now. As you source through what's your number, there's a group in this community that's reluctant to wrestle with this. You're reluctant because you're suspicious of churches and spiritual leaders and those who have abused money in the past. And you have a right to be, as the life of Tammy Faye Baker <laughs> movie shows you. People have abused and used this. That's true. I recognize that. Some of you are reluctant and you're just cynical. And you're, you're like, I'm considering this, but I'm just not quite sure. I just want to say your reluctance is fine. That's totally fine and fair. But come to this question with honesty that your heart is reluctant as you come before God. God is, loves honesty. The second is those of you who are resilient. You've given in the face of not really receiving the words you thought were promised. But you resiliently come back again to say, I'm ready, but I'm a little bit scared. <laughs> and the last of you are ready 
You're just like, I'm ready, I'm ready. Just like put the pledge thing out there and let me submit it. Let's do this. Whatever group you're in, these three things apply to all of you. They're not just applicable for the ready or the resilient. They're applicable for those you are reluctant. And the first thing you need to do to source out your number is to go listen to God. Go listen to God. It's not about you listening to me or listening to one of our pastors or a community group leader tell you what you should or should not do. It's go listen to God. And that's why we hone in on the scriptures and I have tried to overwhelm you with as many passages as possible to talk about money because God speaks through his word and he loves to be clear about what he's asking of you. Starting with the tithe and moving into the offerings, read it and let it speak to you. Let your heart be moved, your mind be struck that you might listen to God because this is about your relationship with him. So go and listen to God. Step one. The second step is to pray with others, to pray with others. God may give you a number and you're like, oh, no, he doesn't mean that number. I'm going to go talk to somebody and help let them talk me down. Uh, I have about five of those conversations every year and I love it because they're wrestling, but they want prayer to, for God to confirm it. And I want to say this to a few groups here. For those of you who are married, this is a beautiful moment for you. Because studies have shown that the conversations around money are the source of some of the greatest conflict inside of marriages. But what if a source of great conflict through this conversation and then prayer together could be a source of great connection with one another and with God together? So if you have the gift of marriage, let this be a conversation you engage with together before God in prayer. But for those of you who don't have a spouse to talk with, that's why we have a community. That's why we gather for prayer on Wednesdays. That's why we provide our pastors and people in the back that they would pray with you. To give you a chance to connect. And you don't have to divulge all the details. Because God knows the details. We're just there to pray and support and help you through this process. Listen to God. Pray with others. And then third, it's just to pledge and trust. So we provided that website on our website for you to pledge. And in so doing, it is this private moment with you and God where you submit and click it. And because we're using a platform now, it's just you and God that have to see it. And a pledge is not a vow. This is not some legally binding agreement that you are issuing to us that you have to fulfill. Pledging is an act of faith to say, I want to release this to God and strive to follow it as faithfully and best as I can to see God do something that I'm trusting him in, to learn what it is to listen to him, to pray with others and then trust him in it. Because there's multiple conversions going on in your life right now. One of your heart, one of your mind, and one of your purse. And when all three come together, God has your whole life. And if he has your whole life, he wants to bless your whole life. He's really interested when you invest in him, he becomes super invested in your future because he wants his glory to be put on display to the world. He wants it to be that those who proclaim his name display his love and his favor and his blessing. That people might say, what's different about you and this peace that you have in this workplace? It's the peace of the kingdom of God. What's different about you in terms of the blessings that you have where you don't seem attached to them but ready to give to whoever asks? 
only that I trust in the King. So what are the heavenly treasures in your life right now? What will it take for you to stay in the contentment of the kingdom? And what's your number to be generous? Now what we're trying to do is to send you out back to God. That you would sit with Him and then come back and say, I trust Him with this. And we are here every step of the way to walk with you as you commit to it and then walk with you as you try to see it out. We do it in money because we want to do it in everything else. What's your number? Let's pray. Father, we say again, open our hearts, open our minds, and let us hear from you, the God of the universe, who is so invested in our life that you ask us to invest in your kingdom. Tell us the number and give us the courage to try to fulfill it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.